the blood he shed delivers me a savior's arms are open wide a love so great the cross of summer gone so far? Awesome. You guys growing any vegetables or growing weeds? Who's growing weeds in the garden this year? <laughs> My neighbor has a garden. I said, hey, man, your garden's beautiful. How do you guys get the weeds out? He says, I don't plant any. If only it was that easy. Jesus. There you go. That's how it works. How's everybody today? Good. God been good to you? God been good to you? All right. You're here, aren't you? Good. Uh, hey, um, I'll tell you today, God has some really awesome stuff. We are concluding our Daniel series. Um, Daniel Days. Anybody like Daniel Days? Daniel is quickly becoming one of my favorite heroes of faith um, just by studying him. And my head has a lot for you today. So uh, I know you're, you're you know, you, that's scary when that when I say that. But um, we're going to we're going to share a little bit. We've been sharing a little bit about the history of Daniel. Um, and some of the great things that have happened in there. And today we're going to talk about what's going to happen in the future. Um, and so, um, and so I'm, I'm really excited about God bringing that to us today. All right? So that's, that's good. Um, got anything else? I do, but I think next week. All right, cool. There you go. You've got to come back next <laughs> week for it. So um, let's just open with a prayer. What do you think? 
All right, Lord God, we are here today um, to just seek you and to find out exactly what you have for us. You are a loving God, and number one, I want to thank you for this awesome week where many of us were able to take some time off for family and friends to celebrate freedom in you. Um, but also, we want to thank you for the mixture, for the uh, awesome sun, for you pouring down rain in the morning so that we can enjoy the sun throughout the day, um, and, uh, and God just... Uh, for bringing us here today, giving us breath and life, for in you we are made alive. And God, I just pray that the rest of the service, whether we're here or whether we're part of church online or, or wherever, that God, um, that you can hear your, your church be, becoming the church you want us to be. And for that, we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, God, you are unstoppable. Put your hands together. Nothing shall be impossible Your kingdom 
was filled with his praises one day when sin was as black as could be jesus came forth to be born of a virgin dwelt among men my example is he word became flesh and the light shined among us his glory revealed living he loved me dying he saved me buried he carried my sins far away rising he justified freely forever one day he's coming oh glorious day oh glorious day
sins far away Rising he justified Freely forever One day he's coming Oh glorious day Oh glorious day Glorious day Oh glorious day Lord God, we just come to you now and we can't wait for that day. We pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. May today be the day that you return and take us. One day that trumpet will sound first coming. One day, the skies with his glories will shine. Lord, we just pray that that day is here where you, you rapture your church and take us home. And for we give this and all things, we give you praise. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. All right, say hello to some people around you and um, everybody else. Kids, you can head to our Sunday school. All right. How is everyone today? Good, good, good. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Haven Community Church. And good to see everyone here. If you're visiting with us, welcome. If, um, if you've been uh, traveling, welcome back. If you're traveling now, have fun. Um, not too much. Um, so that you have to repent next week when you come back, but that's okay. Um, but we just want you to have a good time in the Lord, number one, and that's the main thing we're excited about. Um, if you're visiting, again, we do have a small gift for you. Hopefully you received your card. If you'll hand that in out here, we'll make sure that you go ahead and, um, and get that. A couple other things that you can check out. Uh, a reminder um, about Stephen Ministry. Keep that in your, um, your memory as we have Stephen Ministry stuff. Um, and if you need something, that it's there um, that God restores people. We have people who have gone through significant training in order to help with that. Again, um, we're looking good. Thank you for all those of you who signed up already for um, helping with uh, summer Sunday school, giving our t other teachers a break, and, um, and also delving into an area that would make you feel young. Um, but um, if, you, if you'd like to help for August, we definitely need some help still for August. You can go ahead and do that. We're going to talk a little bit about the Haiti trip in a bit. Um, Paris Foundation is next week, July 16th. How are we doing, Mike? We're doing pretty good. Okay, are there still some opportunities? As, okay, Bonnie, Bonnie used to always say we have some opportunities. In other words, that was Bonnie's way of saying you better get there. Okay, so, and help out. So it's a great, great thing to do. Jill, you ready? Okay, she's going to come and share. Haiti mission trip. This time in a month, we will be in Haiti. 27 right? days. So. so we're in countdown mode, everybody. We're very excited. Um, we have a team meeting today, so we'll talk about some more. I wanted to share a couple things with you today. First of all, I'll share. Everyone's come up here. They've told why they're going. So I'm going to do the same thing. Um, I'm going to cry. I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, Tina, uh, if she's here, she'll, she'll appreciate this. But I think, um, you know, for me, I think when we did Radical last year, it really hit me. You know, we are plan A. Uh, there is no plan B. 
And so um, getting out of your comfort zone and going and doing something. I remember when I adopted my daughter from Russia, seeing the faces of those children just hit me. Um, we got to go. We got to go. Even if it's not what we feel comfortable doing. So I, I'm really excited about what God's going to do with that. You know, when you, usually when you step out of your comfort zone, God does something pretty great. So we're all looking forward to that. I want to share with you a little bit about Praying Pelican Ministries. Um, that's who is supporting our effort. You know, and our first time around doing it ourselves was pretty scary. So we found a, a ministry that does this. Um, the history of this ministry is they started in the Caribbean and in kind of the Central America air area uh, where pelicans are pretty prevalent. And um, they decided to use the pelican as their symbol early on. And then they realized that the, the symbol of the pelican is actually a great Christian symbol. It's a historic Christian symbol. And the, the reason why is because the, the, the legend goes that a pelican in times of difficulty and struggle and you know, famine would actually break off pieces of themselves to feed their children. And the sacrifice they would make to keep their, their family alive was, was, you know, very personal sacrifice. And you think about what Jesus has done for us. Um, it's a perfect symbol. And, and you think about what, what all this team of 16 people is going to do. That's also the same kind of sacrifice. So we've got um, some pins that we're going to be handing out. And it says, hashtag the Pelican life, about sacrifice, right? And so I hope all of you will take one. Um, I hope if we don't have enough, we'll get more. But um, remember that. Um, so the last thing I want to share is we have another opportunity for you today. So we've been asking everyone to uh, great opportunities for everybody to help and be a part of this. Um, today we've got an interesting one. It's in your flyer, uh, in your bulletin, and there's two sides to it. One, we are going to be doing something very interesting when we're down there. One of the biggest problems in Haiti is deforestation. And you would think it was because of all the storms and things, but actually it started in the colonial days. They were so poor and they had to pay back to France that they started using lumber to pay their taxes. And so if you look at Haiti versus Dominican Republic, Haiti um, started in 1923. They had 60% of the land was forested. Now there's 2%. And because of the, it causes all kinds of issues like erosion and flooding. And so it just compounds an already bad problem. So one of the things we're going to be doing with there, I'm super excited about it, is we're going to be planting over 200 trees in the community. And what we'll be doing is taking these trees to neighborhoods, to the families in the community, planting them in their yards and talking to them about Jesus and talking about coming to church. So it is going to be awesome. Um, we'd love for you to participate in this as well. Um, the trees are $2 each. That's it. So um, after church, some folks are going to be at both doors. If you feel led and willing to support the trees, um, we have a couple little uh, trees you'll see out there, and we've got these buttons. So please pray about it. Um, we'd love for you to participate with us. Thank you. All right, one of, and one of the things that, um, what do you, Lisa's got some buckets with trees. Is that what you're going to say? Okay, there's some uh, blow-up trees out there um, that Lisa had, had found. There's one of them, one of them's a little challenged. It's like over. So, um, but if you want to um, go ahead and give to that, there, you can just put them in those, um, in those buckets where the trees are. And if you want that tree to stand up, go ahead and give some more. All right. But no, like one of the things that Jill uh, mentioned is this is just not um, a trip for 16 people. Okay. This is, this is a mission that our church has undertaken. So um, every, every one of us, anybody who calls church, people who are watching online, people who are here, um, people who are on vacation, whatever, 
anybody who looks at this as a church, this is what this is for. This is actually our community, our, our overall community, wherever you represent, going to Haiti, the poorest um, country in our hemisphere, um, to make a difference for Christ. Okay? So we want to keep that in our minds. All right? A um, couple other things that we have here. Uh, Katie asked for prayers, um, praying that God is overwhelmingly present in court on Tuesday. Uh, Donna asked for prayers for Bill Reeves and also for Catherine. Um, these are um, Bobby Burke's parents. Uh, Bill had some uh, bleeding that they were able to uh, clip off and take care of that. And then her mom went in the hospital also at the same time. So she had them on two different floors and areas, and they were supposed to go away for vacation. Um, so um, that didn't happen. So be praying for, for Bobby and the family. Um, Kathy Sullivan and Kim McKnight asked for prayers for Sunday. Uh, Nutter undergoing cancer treatment. Robin Hildebrand, um, we definitely want to um, thank you for reminding us. For Ray Caldwell, Ray has had some health issues, but he is, uh, he's, um, Ray is also going into a assisted living facility. And so we want to keep him in your prayers as this last year has changed a lot for him with the passing of his wife and health issues and everything else. And then some of you may have received or seen on Facebook and also in prayers, um, Rachel and Tommy's son-in-law um, and Natalie, um, Natalie's uh, husband, Jordan Cole, um, pray for God's healing as he was just diagnosed the, the other day with leukemia. Um, and they have a child on the way and lots of stuff. So please go ahead and lift Jordan and Natalie and the entire family in your prayers. Okay? Let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Heavenly Father, we're coming to you now. And um, we know that there are so many things that go on in our lives, but... God, that you are an incredible, incredible Lord. You're healing. We are so blessed in so many ways, and yet, God, um, we, we forget that until times get difficult and tough and when we have some, uh, some things to, to deal with in life. But we know ultimately, God, that you have the answer to all things. So, Lord, um, in lifting up all these prayer requests, those who are battling cancer, those who have court dates that, um, that can change lives, God, we know, we know that you hold the hand of the rulers, uh, the mind and the, and the spirit of the rulers in your hand. So God, be very present there. For those um, who are dealing with aging parents and other kinds of things like that, give them strength and give them peace and give them rest. But in all things, all these things that we've mentioned, God, um, you be very present in our lives. For the rest of us here today, we may not have these health issues. We may not have... Um, all the kind of struggles that others are going through. But God, we just need you to make yourself real in a world that just seems to, to shut you out all the more. And so during the remainder of this time, God, just be real to us and just teach us about who you are. In Christ's name, amen. Jesus has overcome 
will 
We have two readings today from Matthew, the first 24, 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of age? And in Matthew 24, 12 through 15, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. See, you're going to miss that now that it's gone, right? You're going to miss it. All right. Um, here we are. Believe it or not, we are on the sixth and final week, the conclusion of Daniel, the Daniel Day series um, about how to have godly living in ungodly times. And it's, it's been scarily, scarily fitting into our culture right now. You agree with me? Um, how, we've, how we've been dealing with this stuff. So we're going to jump in. But before I do, remember that Daniel... Um, we've been dealing with a section called the major prophets. Again, it's not because they're better than the minor prophets. It's just because they wrote a lot more. Well, there's a lot more about them. We spent most of our time, we've been going uh, pretty much uh, verse by verse, even though we switched a couple weeks around, uh, in Daniel's uh, book, in the book of Daniel, the one named after him. And we spent a lot of that time in the first six chapters, which are primarily dealing with history and some really cool things like uh, Daniel and Lion's Den, and um, we had the handwriting on the wall, remember that? Like thing from Adam's family, whatever, um, did that. And then we also had three guys who were uh, thrown into a, a fiery furnace and came out not even smelling like smoke. And so we've had this, we've, had, we've gone through three different kings, and, um, and we, there's a fourth, King Cyrus, who was a really good king, um, who helped out uh, the Israelites. And we learned about how Daniel was 16 years of age, he was taken captivity from modern-day, what we call Israel today and Israel back then, and he was taken to Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. It was conquered by um, the Medes and the Persians, who are modern-day Iran. Um, so we had all these kind of situations going on, and Daniel spent the rest of his life there in captivity up until his 80s. Um, so he had this. Now, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take six chapters in Daniel, and I'm going to wrap them all up for you about prophecy, right? You didn't know I was that good, did you? So I'm not. Um, God is, but we'll check this out. So before I do that, and we're going to talk about what happens in the end, uh, and so we're gonna, I'm going to give you lots of stuff today, um, and I gave you, you see, I, you see like, it's like you got a whole Bible in your bulletin today and like three blanks. Those of you who hate to fill in blanks are like, yes, only three. Those of you who, like to, who hate to read scripture are like, darn it, no blanks today. So, um, and we'll pray for you. But here we go. We're going to start off with scripture, and it's the one that Ron just read for us, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess right back into that because I know after that great intro video, you guys were so enthralled with that, you forgot what was read. So here's what we go. Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. Anybody know why it's called the Mount of Olives? Very good. You guys are brilliant. There you go. All right. So you're ready for this message today. And the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, they said, 
when this will happen. Now, Jesus is talking about the end, and notice the question. This is the question we all want to know. When's it going to happen? Right? We all want to know when, don't we? How many of us would love to know? If I said, guess what? I know exactly when the end time's going to happen. Um, you guys could say I'm a heretic, but how many of you would like to know that? Right? All of us like to know when. A lot of us like to know when because we want to do all the stuff up and eat, drink, and be merry, and then when, say, oh, Wednesday, Jesus is coming. Let's get it right, okay? So, um, which, is, which is kind of like why we have uh, Fat Tuesday, you know that, and Mardi Gras, all the celebration before Lent came, so, so we're kind of like that. But uh, Jesus is, what we're, why I'm, I'm sharing this is because Jesus is going to validate everything that Daniel talked about here. So that's why I'm starting with a section from uh, Matthew. And so we all want to know, and Jesus later on says, uh, guys, just going to tell you, I don't even know. Daddy hadn't even told me. So you guys, he's certainly not going to tell you. So just hang in there. It's not about that. So then they go on. They said, tell us when this will happen. And what we be the, then they ask a good question. And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of this age? And Jesus said, all right, now you answer something, ask, said something that I can ask. So he begins to explain this. Now, he begins to go through a number of different signs. And a number of these different signs are really important. Um, and I want to tell you, every generation since the time of Christ has thought they were the generation. Because all these signs have, have happened, but not in one generation. Not contained in one generation. We are actually the first generation right now that has every single one of these signs happening at once in this generation. We're the first one in history since it's said. So now that you guys are freaked out a little bit, hang in here, okay? Um, many people thought World War II time was that. You had wars and rumors of wars, and the whole world was at war. And many people attributed that the Antichrist could be Hitler. Um, didn't work out that way. Not all the signs were completed. But these are important because I believe that we are in the ending of the end times, in the ending ages. Listen to what Jesus says here. Because of the increase of wickedness... How many believe that we have an increase of wickedness in our world? That we have a moral decay that exists there or a lack of morality? It says, he says, the love of most will grow cold. In other words, there are many who say they love Christ but not have that. And actually, many Christians and many churches will embrace the wickedness that exists out in the world um, and embrace it. But he says this. He says, but he who stands firm in the end will be what? Saved. Okay, so stand firm. And he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. This is another one of the signs. That in other words, the gospel will be preached to all. It's not actually nations. We're not looking at geographic areas. Okay? The term actually is ethnos or ethnos. And what that means is all ethnicities. Okay, so, um, and we're going we're gonna to share, I'm going to give you a lot today. Your head's going to be hurting. Mine has been all week. Now, what, what most scholars, what we, what we find is that there are 196 nations, but most people say 195 because poor Taiwan is not deemed as a nation. People don't like Taiwan. Poor Taiwan, okay? Um, but uh, they're not f- officially recognized. And in that, there's somewhere, depending upon the sociologist, somewhere between 2,000 and 5,000 ethnicities, okay? And... We live in a time now that every single one of those ethnicities now have the ability to hear the gospel because of something called technology. 
Okay, it used to be to get somebody in Outer Swabovia, I don't know where that is, but I'm sure it's somewhere. Um, when they had, in order to get the gospel to them, you had to send a missionary. How many are old enough to remember when missionaries came to your church and said, I'm going to this place and that place, and you sent them off, and you had no clue where it was. They had a map, and they just kind of pointed, and you said, I didn't even know that was part of the world, those kind of things. But you prayed for them and helped them get their shots and everything else, right? Um, So this is where we are. We are the first generation that can do this because of digital technology. We now, because of satellites, because of the internet, because of smartphone technology, can broadcast the gospel anywhere. Um, When I was in school, I used to have a series of preaching commentaries, and I had a series of of all kinds of uh, books and you know, big libraries and every kind of thing like that. You don't need them. All you need is a cell phone that has an internet connection, and you can find anything you want. That's the world we live in now. And so it has helped get the gospel. Absolutely, there are people who study this, and every single ethnicity out there can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time in history. For the first time in history. And so that's amazing. And then he says this, and then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, what in the world is that? We're going to talk about that in a second. That's a a quote from Daniel. Spoken through the prophet Daniel, see, let the reader understand. It's a point in what we'll call the tribulation. Don't worry, I'm throwing a lot of terms early. I'm going to explain it all to you, and you're going to be brilliant, and you can go share with the person at Walmart all about the end times. Um, And if you want somebody to leave you alone, say, hey, let's talk about the end times, and it'll take off. Okay, here we go. So it's a point in the tribulation about halfway through, the abomination that causes desolation, where this Daniel calls him a king, a king. Others know him as the Antichrist, will set himself up. He's going to, um, he's about midway through, um, and you're, depending on what tribulation theory, don't worry about it, the end's the same way. Um, Daniel spoke of this. He's going to set up a statue, much like Nebuchadnezzar did, to bow down at. It's going to be done in the temple in Jerusalem. And so look at what Jesus says here. Let the reader understand. Okay, everybody got it? No, I don't. I know, it's very difficult. It's hard to understand these things, but I'm going to break it down for you. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Today, I'm going to take all this, and I'm going to put it down in jack notes, and I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to wrap it up like a little baby for you, and you can take it, and you can be like, this is awesome. And so we're going to go ahead. I'm going to smash together chapter 6 through 12, all prophecy of Daniel, and I'm even going to throw in Revelation, and I'm going to do it in the time that we have. All right, you're like, what time is that, Jack? Okay, so, but we're going to do that. So I'm going to get really heady. Everybody, everybody point at your head. Okay, something in there. That means you, oh, you pointed. That means you got something in there that we're going to fill in there. And then I'm going to give you application. Because here's the thing. If we learn about this, I know people who are so, so learned about these things, but they don't live their life for Christ. If there's no application for what's in the future, then we're wasting our time, spending our time on what's already occurred. You agree with me? Nod, breathe, snort, something. We'll go. We'll be there. Okay. So here we go. Back into Daniel. You're like, you're counting down verses of reading. So there's one place in Daniel, chapter 9, where he summarizes all his visions. And so here we go. I'm going to really confuse you, but I'm going to, after this, we're going to be good. All right. So Daniel says, 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up a vision and prophecy and anoint the most holy. So, 77s. Now, the term sevens, um, some people have translated into weeks. It's not really weeks, it's years, as the Feast of Weeks was a celebration more than just weeks, not our week. The term Shabbat 
S-H-A-V-U-I-M. It's multiple, and it means a period of sevens. And it was understood as years. So what Daniel is saying he saw is 77. Any mathematicians here, Terry? All right, mathematicians. That means you have 490 years of prophecy that Daniel saw. Okay, Daniel saw 490 years of prophecy, not of history, but of prophecy. And here's what I want to tell you. You ready for this? Most of those 490 years have already been fulfilled. And we're going to unpack that. All right, so then he says, Know and understand this. Don't worry, we're going to get there. I'm going to help you with that. Um, and it says, from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one. Notice the capital anointed one. He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus as the anointed one. He also, keep in mind, from the age of 16 until, 80, until the day he died, was in captivity. Jerusalem was destroyed. He now sees in that time the restoration of Jerusalem and the temple. There was no need to believe that since he was 16. He's been in Babylon forever. There was no reason for him to believe that any of these kings were going to be nice enough to allow them to leave and go back and restore Jerusalem and the temple. But God gave him this vision, and that's a key thing to hold on to. Um, So after all this time, you think he'd give up the fact that Jerusalem was going to be restored. But you can read, if it was in, Bible's in chronological order, and you want to read about that, there was another king, his name was Cyrus. He was a good king. He was favorable to the Israelites. And Nehemiah and Ezra, um, in the books of Nehemiah and Ezra, talk about the rebuilding of the temple and the rebuilding of the wall and the rebuilding of Jerusalem as a whole. He sees the anointed one, Jesus. And here's what he says. The, the anointed one, the ruler, comes, and there will be how many? Seven sevens which is 49 years. There we go. So here's what I'm going to tell you. You don't even have to look in the Bible. All you have to look at history, and it's going to blow your mind. You ready? To rebuild Jerusalem from history books, not from the Bible, 49 years. Pretty cool, huh? You're, you're shocked. I can tell. You're amazed. Okay? So there's 49 years to rebuild that. And then he says, and 62 sevens, it will be rebuilt with the streets and the trench but in times of trouble. Now, he's talking about the anointed one, um, and it says, and after the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. Stop. 62 sevens are 434 years. So if you add them together, you get only seven left. You get only seven of those 490 years of prophecy left. And here's what's really cool. 434 years from the time after the temple's built, to the time of where the anointed one is cut off is the same date when Jesus died on the cross. Now you're really weirded out, aren't you? It's awesome, isn't it? So here we go. Hang in there. Um, don't, don't worry. We got all this stuff. Um, and he will have nothing. People, uh, then, then look at this. The people of a ruler will come and destroy the city and the sanctuary. Just to let you know, in 70 AD, the Romans destroyed the city and destroyed the temple. Actually, in the Vatican, they actually have pictures of them carrying around the lampstand which was taken from the temple back then, the Romans, okay? War, then it says, war will continue until the end and the desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant, meaning this Antichrist will confirm a covenant um, with many for one seven in the middle of the seven, that's three and a half years, and he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. In other words, the temple will be built. There'll be sacrifice and offering. That's, in other words, let me tell you what's going to happen. A treaty will be made with Israel, modern-day Israel now. They will rebuild the temple, and there will be sacrifice reinstituted, reinstituted. First time since 70 A.D., which is what the Jewish people want. That's why at the local synagogue you don't have them 
you know, slicing up animals for sacrifice because there's no temple. All right? Everybody with me? I'm giving you a lot. I know. Don't worry. Um, and so he's in the middle of that, he's going to say, hey, let's build this. People are going to say, you're the man. You're the man. Awesome. Peace. It's going to be great. And then in the middle of that, he's going to say, psych, just messing around. Then he's going to put the desolation, his statue there where he's going to be worshipped. And then the Jewish people are going to say, uh-oh, we're in trouble. And then it says here, until the end, um, that is decreed is poured out on him. Okay, ha- let me say a prayer. Have a great week. Now, um, okay, what we're going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to break this down for you so you guys will know this like the back of your hand, okay? Um, or maybe the top of your foot. I don't know. Um, but let's look at this. We're going to break it down. So if you like to take notes, that's why there's a lot of blanks there for you. So what we find out from Daniel's prophecy is there are 77s. And with 77s, we have it up here, I think, 77s, which is 490 years of prophecy that he sees. Daniel saw 490 years of prophecy. If we add up all the the things that have happened, 483 of the 490 years have already been fulfilled. In other words, 69 of the 77s are already fulfilled. And if you want to read 6 through 12 of Daniel you can see some really awesome things. Daniel saw Alexander the Great saying that there was going to rise a leader from the Greeks. He saw that the Romans came in and took over. He saw all this stuff. It's really amazing that he saw. It was just that he saw it. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're not going to focus on all this because this is in the past and it's happened and that's good for knowledge. But what I want to do is focus on what's ahead for us. Okay? Now, we have 49 years. 49 years it took to rebuild the temple. Um, And then we have, uh, let's go here, Uh, then we have 434 years later, 49 plus 434 brings us 483, right? And so, which is the 62 sevens that he talked about, okay? Everybody good? I'm horrible at math. I had to make lots of notes. Just ask Terry. I can't, I can't count groups out when we're doing that. Um, but, but everybody following along with me, okay? I want to make sure you're following along with it because this is really important. So you take 49 plus 434, you get what? 43. So we're missing a seven in here, okay? So there, here's what we learned. There are seven years of prophecy yet to this point today to be fulfilled. And here's what's really awesome about it. Daniel spoke about it. Jesus spoke about it. Paul spoke about it. Peter spoke about it. And John, the entire book of Revelation, is about these seven years. And they talk about it. And so we're going to talk about this. This is what many people know as the tribulation, all right? And I want you to know. So I like in my life to take hard things and make them easy. I like to make the easiest, make things easier. I'm always working to say, how can this be done easier? In other words, some people say, I'm lazy and I want to do it the quick way. Okay? So I want to give to you an easy way to understand this last seven. Okay? So that sound good to you? So what I want to do, if you take Revelation and you divide it all down, there are about, in, into this whole kind of thing, there are about ten events if you break the book of Revelation down. And I'm going to break it down for you here. Okay, so here we go. Jesus greets people in chapter 1 of Revelation, but greets John, but here's what we have. In Revelation 2 through 3, we have what is known as the church age. And if you really want to know how to live out this last seven, spend your time right here, because it talks about the church. And, and Jesus has a message for different churches. It's what the church should focus on. And honestly, I should do a series. I've done one years ago um, on the seven churches of Revelation. And, and, and really unpacking what God believes is important 
to us. So that's the first section. The next one is what is known as the rapture. And I personally believe in the rapture. You'll find some who don't. You have some who think that Christians are going to be here. But um, that's okay. Uh, I'm going to be out on the first ticket. You guys can hang out for the rest of the tribulation. I'm going to be out. But in Revelation chapter 4, 1, and this is where this is found, is the reason why I want to share this to you. In Revelation chapter 4, it's the last time that they use the, the term church in the whole entire book of Revelation. So you have, in the f- 2 and 3, church, 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 to the 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 church, 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 church. And then in chapter 4, boom, no more. And what I personally believe is because the church is raptured. That's my personal belief. Okay, that's what, that's what I believe in here. They're not there. But anyway, pay your money, take your choice. All right? Um, regardless of our eschatological differences, there's a term. If you don't know it, Google it. Um, end t- it means end times. Regardless of our understanding of those differences, the ending's the same. Okay, so we can come to that point. And the third thing, we have what is the rise of the Antichrist, or the Antichrist rises, this king that Daniel saw. Um, and basically what's going to happen, he's going to have that treaty with Israel, and it looks great. You're going to have to take on his mark. He's going to be a world leader, so you're going to have to take on his mark. In other words, to buy, to buy groceries, you're going to have to go, bleep, probably like, bleep, Spaniard, slide your head across there or whatever else. Remember, I was talking about that um, on your hand or your forehead. Um, so we have this. And if you're around for that treaty, then guess what? The rapture didn't happen or you ain't there, okay? So get nervous. Um, but, um, so, but anyway, uh, I want to let you know this is where he sets up the, the abomination that causes desolation in the temple. And this is really cool because um, actually today there are already plans on rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. They've already got all the furniture made. It's stored in a warehouse. They're just waiting for somebody to come and sign on the line. And say, okay, let's build a temple. Okay? So, um, so this is one of those things that's really, really cool. I read an article on the plane back from Israel one time. All right. Then, in uh, the next chapter, I mean, in the end chapter, this is the largest part from 6 to 19. It's the most confusing part of Revelation because there's a lot of imagery, a lot of beast, a lot of weird-looking things. There's a woman, and there's this kind of thing, all kinds of stuff. You have a lot of this. This is the largest portion of Revelation is the seven years of tribulation. This is our seven, and it's very difficult. There will be those who are saved, but it's a very, very difficult time. Now, after that, in 19 comes the second coming of Christ. Jesus is sitting, and so what we have, Scripture tells us Jesus is sitting at the right hand of his Father, and he is just raring to go. He's like, come on, come on, let me go get him. Let me go get my church. Let me go get him. I want to get him. I want him. I want to have him. I want to bring him up here. And it's kind of like he's sitting there. You ever have a little kid, a kid who bugs you? Come on. Come on, can we go? Come on, let's go. Let's go. Come on, come on, come on. That's probably Jesus. He's like, come on, Daddy. Let's go, Daddy. Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Come on. Come on, I'm ready to go. He's doing like calisthenics. He's like, the horse is ready. We're ready. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And, and you can see God. God is there saying, okay, but yeah, here's the thing. Um, God is, God, the scripture tells us that God has not let him go because he wants at least one more to be saved. The scripture says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise to return, but is patient in not wanting anyone to perish. See, here's what it is. It's out of the love that God has for all of us that Jesus hadn't returned yet. And so guess what? I'm going to tell you something. If the church would get a little bit busier and share our faith and win more for Christ, Jesus could come sooner. You know what? That's true. It's true. Uh, and we'll talk more about that. So the only thing holding, holding, God back, holding Jesus back is his daddy saying, mate, one more. That one more, he's close. She's close, that one more. Okay, then after that, here's the coolest thing. After all this crazy stuff's going on, the first thing that when Jesus is back together with his bride, the church, guess what he does? 
party, right? We serve a party in God. How many are for that? Come on, didn't you guys party on 4th of July? How many of you shove burgers and dogs down your face? Like, you know, we get to do that in heaven. We get to do that with Christ on his second coming. First thing he says is he locks, he locks Satan up, locks him up with the Antichrist and all of them. And he says, woo, let's throw a party. And they start praying, cooling the gang or singing celebration, I guess, you know, whatever's going on. And you got uh, black eyed peas. Let's get it started. I don't know. You might have that. But it's going to be an awesome party in heaven. That's what he wants to do. Jesus wants to party with you. Jesus is a party animal. I love it. You didn't hear that before in church, did you? All right. So that's what he's going to do. You're not going to get a tour and say, oh, let me show you the golden streets up here in heaven. Now, come on, let's go. He's not going to go ahead and put you in a choir and have you singing. You're not going to be a little fat baby with wings playing a harp. Bling, bling, bling. That is hell to me, just to let you know. I've spent years to try to get every ounce of fat on me. I don't want to be one in heaven. All right. Um, and so we get to eat any kind of food we want, which I like food. And so that's awesome. So we get to have a party. And then there's this thing that we have the millennial reign of Christ, Satan, and, and uh, the Antichrist are locked up, and Jesus rules for a 1,000 years. And he rules for a 1,000 years, not in heaven, but on earth. And so a lot of people will say, you know, I, I really like earth. I don't want to go. Here's the cool thing. I don't want to go yet to heaven. Here's the cool thing. A 1,000 years after Christ returns, he sets up his kingdom on earth. He is the king of the world. He's the king of the world, and he owns it all. And so we get to have, and there's no Satan. He's locked up. So what's really cool is that during this millennial reign of Christ, there'll be no sin, right? There will be um, no traffic on I-95. Anybody excited about that? Um, there will be no stupid drivers. It's awesome. Um, and there'll be great food with no calories. Amen. Come on, you got to be excited by that one. Um, it is going to be awesome. And for a thousand years, it's going to rain. And then this weird thing happens that they, we have this uh, section here where um, the last rebellion in Revelation chapter 20, um, Satan and the Antichrist and all their foes are released for one more time. Many scholars believe that during that thousand year reign, those who may have been born in the millennial reign can have a choice to freely choose Christ or not. Okay, that's what many scholars believe. And it all ends with this thing called the great white throne of judgment. And as Christians who have, who have been bought with the price of Jesus Christ, giving your lives to Christ, you don't have to worry about this at all. This is a time where everybody gets to stand judgment for those who rejected Christ, um, have a court date. And then the very last part of Revelation 21 and 22 is simply eternity. Satan and the Antichrist are thrown into the bottomless pit and never dealt with ever again. They just stay in there forever. And the, the scripture tells us that there will be a new heaven and a new earth because the old order of things pass away. And so there'll be this coming together with earth and heaven. And it'll be like the Garden of Eden was intended to be and even more. Okay? So uh, all those, we learned that even in the end that the ethnic groups are still there. Um, the Chinese do not look like they came from Elkton. Um, like many people think that they're all going to look like that. It's not going to happen that way. Um, we're not going to have people who are Arabic that are going to look, um, you know, African-American. They're all going to still be there. We're still going to have them. And, you know, I've heard somebody, I've heard people at times say, well, if they're there, I'm not going to be there. Well, you're right. You won't be. Um, but, you know, and, and so, so I got to tell you something. This, is a, this preaches a whole bunch about when we talk about racism in the church. And that's a whole other sermon that we talk about, but racism and how you better get used to loving people that look different than you because they're going to in heaven according to the scripture. Okay, so, um, but we'll talk about that uh, another time. All right, so, um, 
Jesus loves everybody and we're all going to be there. And so what I've done for you, I've just slapped together Daniel and Revelation in a few minutes and you guys are so much more knowledgeable now um, and you've learned so much, right? Everybody got it? Okay, we're going we're gonna to talk about some more. Now, there's a value in that. There's a value, and it's really kind of fun to look at these things and to break these things down. But more importantly is, how do we live knowing this? How do we live knowing this, this, this is to come? So we have, and Daniel asked this question, and so we're going to go to the very last chapter of Daniel right now, and we're going to unpack some of this and take a look um, exactly how we're going to live. So what do we do with this? And here's what it says. At that time, Michael. Now, Michael is the archangel of war and answering prayers. Anytime in the scripture it talks about Michael, it talks about he's doing battle and he's answering prayer. And I want to tell you, why are those two together? Because when we do prayer, we do spiritual warfare. And we forget that. Okay? So, so it's not like he said, I want you to be in communications and also warfare. No, we, he, is, he is the one that deals with spiritual warfare all around. He, it says, uh, the, one, the prince who protects your peoples will arise and there will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of the nations until then. In other words, there will be this great tribulation. But at that time, your people, er, everyone whose name is found written in the book. Now, this is what's cool. Daniel actually saw what is called the Lamb's Book of Life, that everyone who accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior, your name is written in a book, so that when you, come to, when you die and you come to heaven, he says, wait, are you there? Boom, come on in. And you don't have to face that great white throne of judgment because Jesus pays for it. Okay, pay for that price. Um, will be delivered. Multitudes who slept in the dust, those who, um, who, did not, who died and not yet made right with the Lord, um, uh, will, and, and others um, will be judged. And it says, uh, will, um, where is it? will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and contempt. So those who are dead, the rapture, they will be raptured up. So when you're dead, we get a new body. Hallelujah. Anybody excited about that? New body, new name. And so it says the dead in Christ will rise first. And we meet them in the air, land a twinkling of an eye. So we get there, we, we get to fly. I want an S on my chest as I'm doing it, and a cape, but that'll work. Um, and then it says, those who are wise, that's what he wants. God wants people who are wise. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who, who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, close up the seal of the words until the end time. So what does he say? He, God wants a generation of people who are wise. Not people who are just emotional, but people who are wise in their faith. And you know what God wants is people, you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is applied knowledge. You know, I've met some people who have lots of knowledge who are some of the dumbest people who ever walked the face of the earth and do some of the dumbest things. Anybody with me? You know why? Because they aren't wise. They're intelligent, but not wise. I've known people who can't do any book work, but are some of the wisest people that there ever are because they apply what they know to life. And so that's what God wants. He wants us to apply this. And so this is one of the things that we see. It says that you'll shine bright and lead many to righteousness. What God is saying here in, with Dan, through Daniel is, hey, listen, here's what I want you to do. This stuff's going to happen. But those of you who are wise, I want you to share your faith so that Jesus can return quicker and that many people will come to know Christ through you. And he's sharing this in Daniel years before Jesus ever came on the scene. And that's one of the things that has always been part of my heart, that at Haven we will be a missional church, not one that just exists to make us, give us a place on Sunday where we can gather and feel good about ourselves, but one that we can continually share the faith of Jesus Christ wherever we go, wherever we go and, and wherever we are. And, um, and so we need to shine in this dark world and lead many. Daniel needs to seal it up. And listen to this. 
This is another sign of the times that you got to hear this, a sign of our age. It says, many will go here and there and increase in knowledge. Now, up until 50 years ago, 50 plus years ago, most people could only travel roughly, maybe a little bit more, maybe 60 or 70, could only travel about 20 or 30 miles a day. That's why when you go to a, 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 a state like Texas, there's a town about every 30 miles because that's all you could travel during the day, so you needed some place to sleep. And this is what happened. But as you all know, I can leave here today, get on a plane, and be in Israel by this evening, some 17 hours away, right? I can do that because of plane travel. Anybody traveled far away? Anybody traveled to China? Anybody, uh, did you, you know, you'd still be rowing a boat if you had to go now, right? But we can do that. For the first time in history, I can jump on a plane and be anywhere in the world that I want to be in a few hours. And here's one of the interesting things. Knowledge, and it says, an increase in knowledge. What many, many scientists and scholars have shown is that knowledge doubled for the first time about 200, plus, about 200 years ago. So from the beginning of time till about 200 years ago, knowledge pretty much first time doubled from what was there at the beginning. About 50 years after that, it doubled again. About 30 years later, it doubled. Now about every 18 to 24 months. So in two years, we will be doubly more knowledgeable about things than we were today. That's pretty quick. Daniel wrote that and saw that. Look at that. They will go here and there, increasing in knowledge. Increasing in knowledge. So we will know more than we've ever known before. Are you excited about this? I am. Okay? It's good for me if it's not for you. All right. So... But anyway, I love this verse. So he shares all this stuff with Daniel, and this is a verse where I think we all feel right about this point in the message. Is this. Daniel says this. I heard what you said, but I don't understand what you meant. Anybody feel like that? This is a good verse for your spouses. You know, like when your wives tell you something, you can say, I heard what you said, but I really don't understand what you meant. Okay? You can use that in life. Okay? So you guys can use that and say it's biblical um, from Daniel chapter 12. Um, and then, it's, then he says, how will this, and then he asks the best question. He says, so how will all this finally end, my Lord? And he says, ah, go on, Daniel. For what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified and cleansed and refined by these trials, but the wicked will continue their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those from the wise will know what it means. You know, here's another statistic where it says many will come to know Christ. We look at our world and we see how 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 wicked and evil it may be. But I want to share with you something. More people from 2003 till now have accepted Jesus than from, from Jesus' time all the way to 2003. More people are accepting Christ in these last few years than all of human history before 2003. But in addition to that, more people are more wicked than they've ever been. And that increases all the more. So he says, only those who are wise will know it. And then he says this, from the time of daily sacrifice is stopped, that's a three and a half years in tribulation, and the statue is worshipped, there will be 1,290 days. In other words, what that means is that exactly three and a half years, halfway through that tribulation, God is very consistent. And Christ's return, you can see, blessed are those who last till the, um, who remain until the 1335 days, that's Christ's return. As for you, Here's, what he, here's what's important. As for you, go your way until the end. You rest, and then at the end of days, you will rise again and receive your inheritance. So what do we do? What do we do with all this stuff? You say, okay, Jack, you blabbered at me about all this stuff. I got this knowledge. I'm not quite sure what I got, but here's what I want to say. Here's what you need. You need to rest. In other words, rest. Chill out. 
if you, if you come to know Christ, don't be afraid. We don't need to be afraid of any of this stuff. Some of this stuff freaks us out, doesn't it? But guess what? If you have a relationship with Jesus, whoop, you're out of here. You're with him. And that's ultimately what we want to be. And the other thing, here's the cool thing. You will rise again and receive the inheritance set aside for you. Some of you may be going through a difficult time. You may say, man, earth, I've had enough. I've had more pain than I can deal with. I've had more struggles than I can deal with. It feels like I'm going through a tribulation myself right now. Here, I'm saying hang in there because guess what? God has an inheritance for you, picked out for you. And that's better than any inheritance anybody can give to you. Hang in there. Don't be afraid. Be wise. And so here's the application time. Here's the application time. If you want to study this more, go ahead and read Matthew chapter 24. You can read about Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, a little bit of 2 Thessalonians. 2 Peter 2 and 3, and we've talked about Revelation. Revelation. They all come with the same conclusion regardless of eschatology or where we think we are. So let's read 2 Peter, and then I'm going to wrap this up today. And um, you guys are going to go out and, and uh, live for righteousness. Here we go. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. In other words, you don't know when a thief. Anybody ever been robbed? Anybody had your house broken into? <clears throat> did you know they were coming? If they did, you'd be sitting there with a shotgun, wouldn't you? would be like, come on, sucker. I'm going to take you out. How many would be sitting there waiting for him? Right. You would do that. If somebody was going to rob you and you knew they were coming, you'd be waiting for him. Right, Rachel? Yep, I know Rachel for him. Okay? So we don't know. In other words, Jesus is saying, you don't know when that's coming. So you can't, so everybody's saying, hey, when's it going to happen? You can't know, as they were asking. So don't spend our effort and energy on when. We waste too much time on when it's going to happen. A couple years ago, there was a guy, um, Harold Camping, remember him, who went and told everybody, Jesus is going to return in May. People sold their houses, put billboards up, had vans going around. And guess what? Didn't happen. He said, oops, I messed up. In Oct- it's happening in October. October came. Guess what? Didn't happen. So anytime somebody says Jesus is returning this point, enjoy that day. Because it's not your last day on earth. Because Jesus said, I don't even know. And if Jesus doesn't know, Harold Camping doesn't know. Just saying. Or anybody else. So it says this. Um, that Peter says, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed with fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. So in other words, it ain't going to be pretty. Then he says, since everything will be destroyed in this way. So everything's going to be destroyed. You keep asking, when, when, when? Everything's going to be destroyed. So what's the matter? But here's what I need you to do. How ought you be? What kind of person or people ought you to be? And that's the main question. Who should you be in this? This is the whole question that we've been asking in this Daniel Day series. How to live godly in a godless culture, right? All this stuff's going to happen. It's going to get worse. But guess what? I don't care when it's going to happen because it's more important to find out who I'm going to be throughout this. And so here's what he says. He answers this. You ought to live as holy and live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. A couple things here I want to share with you as we look here, as we look at this. In other words, you have to live holy. And holy doesn't mean that you sit around with a halo going, like that all the time. No, holy means separate. Remember, we've been saying this from the beginning. Daniel stood out because he was different. We are told by Christ to be salt and light, to stand out 
in the world. Remember last week I said to you, God never intended and Christ never intended for the church to be something that annoys people and people look to as closed-minded and, and hateful and nasty. He lo- wanted the church to be a light that people said, wow, I need some of that. Wow, my life's a wreck. I need to go to them. And sadly, in the way our culture has been, many people look at the church as, ew, oh, you're one of those people, right? Rather than saying, I need the words of life, salt and light. When you have popcorn, you need some salt, don't you? Don't give me that healthy crap. I'm saying you need some salt on that sucker. And you go, you'll pull the house open to find a little thing of salt to put on it. Because you want that little bit of flavor. And that's what we're supposed to be. When the lights go out and all the power goes out, so dark you feel the darkness. You stumble around, run into walls, all kinds of things. You trip over things. And all you want is a light. Am I right? And so that's what we need to be for this, this world, this bland world. We need to be salt. This dark world, we need to be light. And so what are you supposed to do? Live holy lives, separate lives. Hagias is in the Greek. And in other words, that's saying don't get caught up in all the junk. Don't get ca- caught up in all this, right, and all that stuff. Don't get caught up in it. But live godly lives and look forward and speed its coming. In other words, you can speed up Christ's coming by leading people to him. And so let me sum all this up right now. I promise it's going to be quick. But it's going to be awesome. What do you need to know? Basically, what this whole series comes down to and what we're learning from here is we need to follow God, not culture. Because culture changes, God doesn't. Scripture says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God says, Malachi, I, the Lord your God, do not change. So what you need to do is be wise to say, are you going to follow culture that changes and shifts and will also change and shift you? Remember, let's go back to week one where they changed their names. Are you going to let culture change you into something that God created you not to be? Or are you going to read God's word and hold on to God's word and embrace God's word and say, I know this is what God's word said and the culture is, says this and I don't know that I fully agree with it, but I'm just going to embrace it because God never changes and that's what's right. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, get it all right. Stay rooted in him. Number two, be ready. Be ready for Christ's return. You see, we are seeing all the fulfillment of all the signs for the first time in one generation, and that's us. We live in an awesome generation you see, the thief comes at night, and most of our culture is blind, just wait, not even paying attention to that fact that Jesus is getting ready. Come on, Daddy, send me. Come on, Daddy, send me. Be ready. Matthew 24, Jesus said this after he said everything else. He said, therefore, keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. Be ready. Don't get so enamored with all the stuff around you that you miss out on. We live in an awesome culture. We live in a great time. We live in one of the greatest times ever, the greatest generation that we can, we can do all these kind of wonderful things. And we are blessed to live in a country where, um, where, we, where we got here in a car. I don't think most of us walked many miles today. And where, we, where we got here in a car that probably afterwards we're going to go eat somewhere or we're going to have food at home. We might kick back at a pool or kick back at a friend's house or, or do something that we've got some stuff going on. We live in a great, great place. And God has blessed us in order that we will be holy 
that we be set apart and win many for him is the reason why we are done. This life is not about this life. This life is about leveraging this life for the next life in eternity. This is, we're just passing through this. Eternity is a long time. This life, 60, 70, 50, 20 years, whatever it may be, is only to leverage and get right with Christ so that we can spend eternity. And the last thing I want to share with you is this. Make the most of your life now. As I just said, this life is not about now. This life is about eternity. Use it, we are told to do this, to lead to righteousness and to shine bright so that many come to Jesus. We live in a great country. We live in an awesome culture. This life is about doing all we can to speed up Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, if you today, what if God, what if God is holding back for that one coworker that you know, that God's been telling you, share Jesus with? What if God is holding Jesus back because of that one family member that because they're just enjoying life a little too much, you're not, you're not ready to tell them about Jesus and who he is? What if you are the one that is holding Jesus back because God wants that one person and he's saying, listen to me. I want you. I want you. I love you. And I'm not going to send him until you listen. But time's ticking. What if? What if that one person is there? This last verse, you can look at it on your own bulletin. But it says, be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, Daniel understood that, didn't he? As we wind this series down, it's all about this. Who ought you to be in this culture? Are you going to embrace him? I gave you a lot of heady stuff that's really kind of cool to put in there, but the ultimate thing is, are you ready for Jesus' return? Do you want him to come today? I do. I'd love for him to come today, wouldn't you? Wouldn't it be cool? Maybe like right before work in the morning? Maybe like right after you ate something you weren't supposed to? Wouldn't it be awesome if he just returned today? No more sickness. No more mourning. No more death. No more pain. No more depression. No more suffering. No more Cowboys fans. Oh, sorry, did I say that? Um, Wouldn't it be awesome? We are this generation. I truly believe it. We're the first generation that's seen it all. And we're set up perfectly for Jesus' return. Now, don't be afraid. I'm going to tell you. Don't be afraid. Look at the person next to you. Boo, don't be afraid. So I'm going to ask you to stand where you are right now. And I'm just going to pray for you today. If you want to come up, you can. If not, right where you are, do this. This is not your normal, hey, whatever, but this has a lot of stuff. It has a lot of stuff in it. Don't keep looking back to the signs that have already happened. Look to who you ought to be. Because Daniel knew whose he was. From the age of 16... Daniel's whole life was turned upside down. And there's people who are here today that your whole entire life has been turned upside down in the last months, years, weeks. Your whole life may have been turned upside down. Daniel never wavered and always said, hey, he even said, hey, I hear what you're saying, but I understand a bit of it. So what am I supposed to do? He said, just continue being you, Daniel. Continue loving me. Continue keeping your word in my heart. Continue doing the things that I need you to do. So let's pray. I believe that today right now is a decision time. It's great that we come and we hear and we connect and that we see. 
And I'm going to ask those who are online, hang in there for a little bit because I want you to, I want you to really hear this. This is for you too. I believe it's the decision time. The decision time is for our church to be an impact, that we live as those who want to speed the coming of Christ up. That today as we leave here, we're not just going to keep our salvation to ourselves, but somebody may need it. The homeless person on the street. The, the single mom who's wrestling around with her kids and about ready to pull her hair out. The person, the widow or widower who's sitting at a table has loneliness and depression written all over the face. The child who has no clue about what their future holds. The ones who, young adults who have plans, but yet somewhere in there they're wondering where God is, even if he's in here at all. May we be people that speed the Lord Jesus Christ by being set apart and bringing the glory of God. We could be the generation that sees this in our lifetime. So let's do all that we can to leverage our lives for eternity. So right now there's people here for the first time maybe saying, all right, I need to become a Christian. I don't want to be left out of the Lamb's book of life. I need to know Jesus. And, and basically it's simply like this. Hey, Jesus, I, I, I'm a mess. I need a Savior. Not quite sure what that is. But I hear you're the one who can do it. And I want to be in that first elevator when it takes off. And so I'm going to give my life to you. The mess that it is, take it and have me be what I ought to be. And I may be just like Daniel saying, I hear what you're saying. I don't know what it means. But my heart's crying out to you. And I need you. There may be others who have become Christians, but somehow you've just had problems living it out. You become the cultural Christian. You become one of the Jews in Babylon that just kind of like the Babylonian way. Jesus is saying to you, hey, don't, don't choose anything else but me. Be holy, set apart, and be devoted to my word. Even though it doesn't make sense, be devoted to my word. And there's others here who just need, you've, you've been fighting this fight, and you feel like you're in a, in a tribulation right now, and so you just say, God, I need you to revive in me that spirit of Daniel, that one that doesn't waver, that one that is strong, the one that sees your face. And God, I pray that I may see your glory, that I may see your return, and that you take us out of here. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to share my faith with all to speed your coming. So God, here we are. Your people. Broken. Weak. Strong. Lost. Foolish. Wise. Knowledgeable about everything in Christian faith. Have no clue. But ultimately, God, we just need to love you. For we are living in Daniel days. We're living in ungodly days. Help us to be godly people, sharing not only in our words, but in our lives, that we may shine and bring many to righteousness. This altar is open if people want to pray, or just where you are if you want to pray. Let's hear what the Word has to say to us. As this old hymn that we're going to sing today, Blessed Assurance, that we don't have to be afraid of that last seven when we have Jesus as mine. When Jesus is mine, I have nothing to fear, not even fear itself. 
What I have to fear is nothing because I know who wins. And I'm on the right side. Pour out your spirit here. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine.
hymn writer of that is a lady named Fanny Crosby. Okay? Fanny Crosby um, had a situation when she was younger that caused her blindness throughout her life. And she wrote 8,000 hymns, 8,000 songs of praise to God. See, she lived a life that Daniel did, that regardless of what situation and culture, in that time and culture, if you were blind, you didn't, ha- you didn't have much of a life ahead of you. We're talking right a little bit after, you know, Revolutionary War, a little plus there. And yet she wrote 8,000 hymns, many of them which you know, and that one. She said in her blindness, she saw, blessed assurance, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste. That's what this earth is, a foretaste of glory divine. I am an heir of salvation. I've been purchased by God, born of his spirit and washed in his blood. You see, she didn't fear the seven that are coming. Because she was purchased by God and she knew what her life was about. She knew who she ought to be. We all need to be Fanny Crosby and Daniel for this world today. Where we say, this is my story. Her her story wasn't a fun one. This is my song. She was going to praise her Savior all the day long. This is my story. What is your story going to be? Is it going to shine like stars when people are struggling in their illness? Are you going to give to them the healing power of Jesus Christ? When you have depression and loss and struggle, are you going to say, hey, one day I get to see him again because I will see what our next series is about, meeting God face to face. I'm going to get to see my loved ones who love Jesus face to face, all because I have been purchased by God. Amen? Amen. That is awesome. That's what Daniel's series is about. And I'm going to tell you, whatever I say means nothing unless we apply it to our lives. And this culture so needs Daniel's and Fanny Crosby's. I almost said fannies, but that would be weird. All right. So I did it anyway. Be a fanny for Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> I met a lot of them in my life. <laughs> okay. So I better stop now before I get myself in trouble. Okay. So, um, all right. Next week, uh, God just gave me another uh, short-term series this week. It's going to be called this, Close Encounters, um, where we are going face-to-face with God, when we have a face-to-face encounter with God. And so... Um, just kind of God's rolling through, and I think it's a good time. And I'm really gonna, I'm really gonna ask the church to be called to prayer during this time, this next kind of month or so, that we all just pray, okay? Even if it's a quick one, like I gave for the praise team today, just be in prayer, all right? So have an awesome week in Jesus. And, it, and I'm gonna tell you, just because I say the benediction head out doesn't mean that if you want to pray with somebody, we ain't still here, because that we're on God's time here, all right? Because guess what? We're going to hang out with him for eternity, so we might as well get used to him now, all right? All right, have an awesome week in Jesus, and pray for his return. Amen.